This is a summary on the third Sicha of Parshas Nitzavim, Lechute Sichais, Chelek Yud Dalid. There's an extremely famous passage which is interpreted by the vast majority of, uh, of uh, commentators as referring to the redemption, the Gu'ulo Hamitas Vashleme, with the coming of Mashiach and the end of times. And the way it's described is, it says, when all of these events occur to you, all the blessing and the curses, and you return, you take to heart, you do tshuva, and you return to God with all your heart and all your soul, and Hashem will, in kind, return us to His land and shower us with blessing even more than in times of old, in the times of the temple, and Mashiach is going to come. Now, the how exactly? But to get into the nitty gritty of this uh, of this pasuk, the original pasuk, when it says, "When these things come to you, the blessing and the curse, and so on." First of all, the translation of when this happens to you, ki yavayu Some of you may recall from Parshas Kiseitze, the first sicha of Parshas Kiseitze of this chelik v'lukati sicha is chelik yedalid where it was explained that according to Pshuti Shomiksha, the simple reading of the text, whenever you have the word key, you should translate if, not when. Whenever possible, one should go with the translation of if. So what that would mean in our scenario would be that if these events shall occur to you, the curses and so on, then you will do tshuva and Hashem will return you to the land of Israel and shower you with blessing. And that would actually would be a very legitimate and normal translation because who said the Jews are going to sin? The context is that if the, all the curses will come upon you, why would the curses come upon you? Because you will have sinned. Then this will happen. This, the punishment itself will arouse you to do teshuva, and therefore you will merit all the blessings that Hashem g- gave you. However, of course, what if the Jews never do sin, Then, but they just live up to this powerful level of connection with God, with Hashem? Then, of course, all these blessings can be showered upon us without going through the trials and tribulations, suffering of Golos. Essentially, Mashiach could have come without us suffering through exile if we would not have sinned if because of our tremendous sins. However, the problem is, if I translate it that way, that if you will suffer all the curses, then the curses themselves will arouse you to do teshuva, and thereby you will merit the ultimate redemption. The problem is, how do I translate the verse when it says... When these things occur to you, the blessing and the curse. What do you mean the blessing? Why would the blessing, that seems so out of place, so out of context. Why is the blessing bringing me to do tshuva? It's the curses that bring me to do tshuva because curses break our hearts. Uh, we Suffering breaks a person's heart. It breaks their ego. It opens them up to spirituality. It sp- opens them up to Hashem. It makes them not feel smug and content. And they do some soul searching and people do teshuva. That's the nature of curses. Why do blessings do that? Now, if the context of the verse would have meant that it's a prediction of the future, in other words, translate the word key as when. So in other words, the Tate is saying, when the blessings and curses will arise, you will do, you will do teshuva and the ultimate blessing will come down upon you. That would have been a very uh, legitimate interpretation and translation. Um, however, there is a problem. The problem is that the problem is the is a few minor problems, but the real problem that the Rebbe brings up. 
the real problem with this is uh, on the level of Pshutishomikra, on the level of Rashi, on the level of Rashi, it's difficult whenever we have a passage which is supposedly predicting the future, telling us the future. If it's about human choices, about what human beings are going to do, it's always the more difficult route to take to declare that Hashem is saying that Jews are going to sin or going to do a mitzvah and so on. Because Hashem already told us a few times in the Torah that He gives us free choice and that He's given the two paths before us and we could choose bad or good, evil, wicked, and kind or kindness. So being that the choice is ours to make an, a, a statement about the future that there's going to be blessing and there's going to be curses because of the Jews will have transgressed or not transgressed, is an incredibly difficult thing to argue for the say from Shemikshah that Hashem would say that Hashem should say if you do this, not when you do it as a uh, predictive, as a statement of a fact. I, in the next week's parsha or two weeks' parsha, later on there is a prediction about the future. Moshe says that the Jews are going to stray after false gods. Over there, it doesn't even mean that it's a, that it's a absolute statement of prediction because if you look at the context, he says why he says that. He says over there, I know your rebelliousness. I know you, and therefore I can predict that this is going to be the future. I should note that the famous Rambam in the laws of Teshuvah, where he deals with the question of if that does Hashem decree upon man his destiny, and the Rambam is very emphatic that no, free choice is an absolute foundation in Judaism. And then the Rambam asks on himself, what about the places where the Torah does seem to suggest what's going to be in the future, like Hashem says the Egyptians are going to enslave the Jews, or in Devarim when Hashem says the Jews are going to stray after false gods in the land, and the Rambam gives his famous answer that there's no individual who is decreed upon, it's merely a statistical question, and no one said that you have to be the one who ends up being an idolater, and so on. The Ravid famously argues with the Rambam and totally disagrees with that answer. He says, if so, if everyone would make the right choice, then there would be no sinner, and so on. The Ravid, how does he, and he, how does the Ravid deal with the question? So the way he deals with this question from this uh, book of Dvarim, where it, where Moshe Rabbeinu uh, says the future that the Jews are going to stray after false gods, is he says this very answer that the Rebbe says in the Sicha. He says, Moshe is merely saying that from what I know about you, that you're so rebellious, Therefore, based on that, I can predict that you are going to be continue sinning in the land. And he says that if Moshe can make such a prediction, Hashem is also allowed to make such a prediction. So in the end of the day, the Ravid is sticking to his guns regarding this particular point, that the it's it, it, why should I say that Hashem is telling a statement and a decree of fact of what's going to be? So so too in Rashi, in the Pshuti Shamiksha, why should I assume that Hashem is decreeing and declaring what is going to be? What are going to be the choices of the Jewish people? So we're back to square one. If it's describing that which is going to arouse the Jews to do teshuva, why did they find it necessary to say in the pasuk the blessing? Why not just mention the curse? And the answer is, says the Rebbe, that we are trying to arrive at the ultimate level of teshuva. What teshuva is going to be the one which is going to bring Mashiach? What teshuva are we aiming for? The level discussed in this pasuk is to love Hashem to love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul, and the truth is even with all your might, because the Pasuk says, you will do teshuva, and the very nature of teshuva is to go out of your identity, go out of your 
state of being, which is what Bechol Meidecha connotes. And then Hashem says, but I want you to internalize that. It should be real. The the tshuva shouldn't just be an out-of-body experience. You have to internalize it and integrate it into your life. So not only do you do tshuva, you bring that Bechol Avavcha, with all of your heart and all of your soul. So this is a tremendous level of tshuva. What is arousing this level of tshuva in the context of our verse? The Kalala, the curse. In other words, the more the curse is, the heavier the pain, the deeper the teshuva is going to be, says the pasuk. What is the ultimate level of teshuva? When the curse comes after the blessing, because when a person knew blessing in their life and then they know a curse, it makes the curse that much greater and that much more potent. That is the power of the curse that comes after a blessing. For example, in Jewish law, we don't create a fast day on Sunday after Shabbat, after Shabbos, because it's so much more painful to go from the pleasure of Shabbos into the pain of a fast day. Right And in life, that ever brings uh, that you have a rich person who becomes a poor person. It's so much more difficult and so much more painful for this person to experience that level of pain. And that is exactly what the Apostle is referring to when it says the blessing and the curse, meaning that you'll have the curse after the blessing, and that will bring you to this level of Teshuvah. However, the question is, the Pasuk is clearly saying that even if a Jew ends up sinning, he will come to this ultimate level of Teshuvah because he's going to have the curse which comes after the blessing. The question is like this. It's one thing about a Jew who reaches this level with regardless because they're connected to God. In, in fact, the Jew doesn't have to sin in the first place. They can have this ultimate, beautiful, wonderful level of connection with Hashem. But what if a Jew needs this reminder, needs this curse, needs this suffering in order to reach this level of teshuva. What does the Taita tell us? How indeed does the Jew attain this level of teshuva through the first having the blessing and then having the curse? The question is, why should we make an assumption that you had a blessing in the first place? So in other words, let's say a Jew is only given curse in their life. What is to say, how are they ever going to attain this level of teshuva? The Taita seems to be saying that how do you attain this high level of teshuva only when you have the klala which comes after the bracha? And the Rebbe gives an unbelievable explanation. The Rebbe says that if you analyze the Pesukim in the beginning of the A, the A is the parsha where it says that if you go in the path of goodness and, and life, then you will be good. And, 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 uh, and Hashem says, I put the two paths before you. And if you go in the path of darkness, of evil, then it will be bad for you. But the Taita changes the terminology. When it comes to the blessing, it says, this is the blessing that will come to you. Asher tishmu. Asher tishmu. Asher means that you listen. It doesn't mean if you listen. When it comes to the curse, it says, this is the curse im loisishmu, if you do not listen, with the word if. But by the blessing, it didn't use the word if. It used the word that. And Rashi indeed explains it differently, that it does not mean if. What does it mean? Rashi says, I'm giving you the blessing on condition that you do the good. In other words, there's a big difference between the curse and the blessing. When it comes to a blessing, Hashem always originally from the outset gives the blessing. But it's given to you on condition that you don't lose it, that you don't mess it up, that you don't destroy it. But the assumption is that it's going to be good, similar to the concept that every Jew is born having a portion in the world to come. You have to do something very drastic to lose it. It's not something you have to earn. It's your identity. Of course it's going to be good. So too, every Jew begins with the assumption of goodness, but there's a condition coming with that goodness. Versus the evil is if, if the whole thing is dependent upon your behavior, and naturally it's unnatural for a Jew to have the curse. And therefore, when it comes to the context of our verse, of course it's obvious that a Jew has blessing in their life because every Jew, regardless of how bad their behavior is, the core of a Jew is to get blessing. 
then they could lose the blessing. But the essence of a Jew is to get the blessing. And this is all so relevant to the time that we are approaching rapidly, the time of Reish Hashanah, because the, the famous Medrash, which says that the Jews are so confident that they're going to win the trial, that typically when a person goes on trial, they're very depressed and very sad and they wear dark clothing and so on. But the Jews, they celebrate this holiday and they wear beautiful clothing and they're so certain because they know the judge, they know God and they know that they're going to win and they know it's going to be a blessing. They know it's going to be a wonderful new year. Why do they have this certainty? Because of their connection and relationship with Hashem. And that's what you see clearly in this verse, after the blessing and the curse comes, that there's an assumption that every Jew, uh, the assumption is that he should get kindness and bracha and chesed in his life.